you pick up your Bible and wonder, is there more here than meets the eye? Is there anything here for me? I mean, it's just words printed on paper, right? Well, it may look like just print on a page, but it's more than ink. Join us for the next half hour as we explore God's Word together, as we learn how to explore it on our own, as we ask God to meet us there in its pages. Welcome to More Than Ink. Well, here we are at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and we're looking at this ugly series of events that ends in the death of Jesus. But in the middle of all that, there's this beautiful moment that Jesus said, this will be remembered everywhere the Gospel is proclaimed in the whole world. Wow, what is he talking about? Let's find out today on On More More Than Than Ink. I'm Dorothy. And I'm Jim. And we are sitting here at the table, as we always are on a Saturday morning with Man. our with our coffee. Oh, looks like you're just my gone. My mug is empty. <laughs> I drank all my coffee. So for the last few weeks, we've been talking about, or we've been reading all that Jesus said in answer to the disciples' question. Tell us about what's going to happen at the yeah, end of the age. the end of so the age. So at this point in Matthew's gospel, all of everything Jesus said about that is finished. Mm-hmm. And so he picks back up and jumps right back into the narrative. And from here, at the beginning of chapter 26, it is a very quick, action-packed couple of chapters Uh, to the end, through the cross, through the resurrection, and the commissioning of the disciples after. So um, suddenly we're done with parables, we're back in the action. Yep, yep, back in the narrative, back in the... The conflicts between Jesus and the religious mm-hmm. leaders who have already decided some time ago in Matthew's narrative to kill him. Right, <laughs> And right. so today they're going to get very serious about that because uh, this is, well, because the timing is coming up. They're coming up on a very important holiday right. for Israel. One of their feasts is Passover. And uh, and you'll see in a second here that they're concerned that uh, whatever violence is taken against Jesus doesn't happen during this this time it, it could be actually could be ruinous for the religious leaders because it could it could actually spawn a rebellion of sorts so, and yet it was on god's calendar that this is exactly the right time and it right. must happen right. during the feast of the passover but the, the the calendar is kind of forcing their hand and mm-hmm. they've just had enough of jesus and so now it's time and they've been waiting for a chance to apprehend him right in a way that would be would be the the least problem for them in the long run so let's just see what happens okay the, the plot to kill jesus we're in uh, chapter 26 of Matthew, and the action starts to pick up right here in verse all 1. Right. So verse 1, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, you know that after two days the Passover is coming. Oh, it's right there. Right, right <laughs> two there. days the Passover two days. is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Okay, we have to stop right there. Because it, it, I, it stopped me cold when he said, you know you that know. after two days the Passover's coming, yeah, right? Yeah. They know the Passover's right. coming in two days. That's like really close. Yeah. Uh, and you know that the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. How would they have known that? Well, Jesus told them. He had told them that yeah. before. Yeah. But they they should have had a little gear turning in their head all mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. If you remember back at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, uh, at the very beginning of John's gospel, he says that John the Baptist pointed to Jesus and said, there's the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. 
and the Lamb of God has to die. Has to die. Right. Okay, so that right. is a central fixture mm-hmm. in the celebration mm-hmm. of the Passover. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe our listeners aren't acquainted with this. You can find the, kind of the detailed account of yeah. what that what first happened? Passover was like in Exodus 12, mm-hmm. 1 to 13. Mm-hmm. But basically, they would take a lamb, any lamb out of the herd, uh, keep it for two weeks, tender it, care for it, feed it, nurture it, it became their own, and then they would slaughter it mm-hmm. at a designated time mm-hmm. take the blood and put it on the doorposts and the lintel mark their house so god said when i see the blood when i bring judgment on all of egypt i will mm-hmm. pass over you so i think I, I was probably an adult before i realized that that's what passover passover means, that god's judgment passed over yes. the Israelites and their firstborn did not die, right. but every firstborn in the land of Egypt did. Yes. So the blood of the lamb is what saved them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. from yeah. the wrath of God. Right. So it's, it's a powerful picture. We boy, we just need to really sit with that picture for a minute. So when Jesus says, "Passover's coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified," he's saying in Passover code. I am the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. Yeah, this isn't just a coincidence that's accidental no. that, that Jesus' death is on the same time as they celebrate the death of right. the perfect Lamb to take away their sins. Right. It's it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be that way. So you'll put two and two together. You know, we said he, he told them that they knew uh, what was going to be going on. But what's fascinating is the fact that they did know, but it, they still got caught by surprise to a right. certain degree. Right. Right. It seems really odd, and I, I, to me, it's the distinction between knowing something and actually believing it. You know, mm. you hear it and you go, yeah, 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 I heard that, but I, something inside of me is not really willing you to embrace that. I know you heard that. it, but it went in one ear and out the other. Right, right, and it's not until it's not until it happens you go, oh wait, yeah, I guess right. that was really going to happen. So, but we're going to see in a minute somebody who did believe it mm-hmm. and who right. really bit down on it when Jesus said, "I'm going to be delivered up to be crucified in yep. a couple of days." Yep, yep. Well, let's push on. Okay. Jesus says, you know what's going to happen. Okay. This is what's going to happen. Verse three. Then at that time, the elders and the, oh wait, the chief priests chief and priest. the elders of the people gathered in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. Hmm. But they said, not during the feast, lest there be an uproar among the people, right? Because there's hundreds and thousands of people in Jerusalem for the feast. It's a big public event. And Jesus has this gigantic following. Huge following. And if they make a big public deal of arresting him, they're going to have a riot on their hands. And then they're going to have real trouble. Think think of the visible display of the following when he came in on the the colt. Just less than a week before. Right, right. I mean, it's a big deal. So the chief priests, the leadership are saying, okay, he's within our reach, but we're going to have to do this kind of under the covers so people don't see what's going on. We need to kill him. And then, you know, it's funny. I laughed. I shouldn't laugh at verse 5, but, you know, not during the feast. Well, that didn't work out too well because, <laughs> you know, that's they. what happened, the timing is exactly what they did not want to have right. happen. And yet, God's timing always wins. This is God's plan. So right. that you can put two and two together and you can see that Jesus is the Lamb of God, so well known in Jewish law and in Jewish feasts. They know what the Lamb of God is. And here Jesus is being crucified at the very same time that they're sacrificing lambs on the Temple Mount. How about that? Isn't that, it's just astonishing. It's yeah. like, how could you miss it? Yeah, yeah. They're trying to avoid the uproar among the people because the following is so strong. 
Yeah. Mm. I might I might mention one thing really quick that you might be confused if you read the parallel accounts uh, in some of the other gospels between the high priests. You know, it mentions the high priest Caiaphas here. Okay. Other places it mentions Annas as being the right. high priest. Annas is his father-in-law. But what, what most people don't know is Annas was uh, was deposed from being high priest. I think fifteen or sixteen A.D. Something like that, and he was deposed by some secular authorities. So so many Jews didn't take his deposing as being legitimate. So ah, during the during the time important. yeah, during the time of Jesus right here, they would look at Annas, the older one, and say, Well, he's really the high priest because they kicked him out, but it was it wasn't religious guys who kicked him out, so that's not legitimate. And then Caiaphas was put in place, his son in law, and Caiaphas is the legitimate one. So many times you'll see this two high priests idea. Luke Luke especially does this does the equating of the two of them as high priests at the same time. You'll see it in Luke's gospel and you'll see it in Luke's narrative in Acts. Mm. So that's why you see that confusion. But, you know, Caiaphas is the actual recognized high priest. But if you remember, well, no, we'll get to that. Let's, let's go on. Let's go on. Let's go on. <laughs> so these guys all gather together at the palace of the high priest, right? And they plot together in order to arrest Jesus and kill him. Right. Well, okay. What's wrong with this picture? These are the spiritual leaders of the nation of Israel, and they're mm-hmm. meeting in secret to hatch a murder plot. Right, right. These are the ones who claim to know the word of God and dictate to others what God has said. Yeah, but they're convinced Jesus is a phony. They think he's just a populist leader. They don't really think he's the Messiah. So they see themselves as doing a favor, protecting the people by taking the phony guy off the picture. Okay. So we know that during this week of of Passover that Jesus was in Jerusalem, that he was spending the nights either uh, across the valley in the garden or back mm-hmm. in Bethany, mm-hmm. which is just a little ways away. So that's where verse six just, picks just up. over the hill. Yeah. So in verse six, Matthew says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and mm. she poured it on his head as he reclined at table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you trouble her? For she's done a beautiful thing to me. You always have the poor with you, but you will not always have me. In pouring this ointment on my body, she's done it to prepare me for burial. Mm. Truly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Wow. Wow. Now, this is an interesting story, and there's a lot of cultural touch points that we just don't really get. What's with the oil? What's with the perfume? What's with mm-hmm. the anointing? All of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's helpful if we read the parallel accounts. Right. This uh, is an important one to look yeah, at. Mark's account is almost exactly like yeah. this one, but John's account gives us some really interesting and details. And Mark's account is in chapter 14, 14. in case you want to go check mm-hmm. it out. But John's account, chapter 12. Yeah. Uh, so I have it open in front of okay, me. Okay, good. I think we should probably read it because it gives us details. So Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, from whom, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Mm-hmm. Oh, that tells us that's already important ding, ding, information, ding, ding, ding. Right? right? And we know that the the religious leadership had already hatched a plot to do away with Lazarus because yes. they couldn't deal with the fact that Jesus had raised him from the dead. Yep, yep. Okay, so back in in John twelve verse two. 
So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving, but Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mm-hmm. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, this is really a firsthand account. This yeah, is the Apostle John, closest one to Jesus, recounting this. Verse 4, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples who was intending to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Mm. Jesus therefore said, let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Yes. So the beginning and the end uh, of the story are the same, but those details in the middle. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. When I was just reading this earlier, it suddenly occurred to me, Jesus had been talking about sheep and goats. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, right, right. here we come to this this dinner in Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus are there. And among the people there, we have one of each. We have Mary, yep. a, sheep, a sheep, who believed what he had said, mm-hmm. I'm going to die. And she says, I may not have another opportunity to anoint him. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. And, and uh, Judas, acting like a goat, is only interested in what's going to happen to the money. And John, who knew him well, said, you know, he really was interested in pilfering his share yeah, out of the money he, box. He wasn't interested in using oh, the money for the poor. That is such important detail. Yeah, yeah ex- exactly. And you would think, remember the the goats in that other case, they had no interest in other, the needs of other people. Right. Judas has no interest in the needs of other people here. He's just using that as an excuse. Yeah, and know? he really hasn't even been paying attention to what Jesus had said yeah. up to this point. He's yeah. just interested in, in making a show of being righteous, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. interested in what he can get out of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's also interesting to note a couple of small differences between these. They're not actually differences. Mm-hmm. They're just more pictures. The alabaster flask in John's gospel is poured on the feet. In Matthew's gospel we're reading is on this head. Mm-hmm. So is that in conflict, Bible studiers? No, it's both. <laughs> so when Jesus says that she's anointing my body, it, it really isn't just head his to feet, toe. head to yeah. toe. Yeah. So, you know, when you see conflicts like this, don't jump to the conclusion they're conflicts. They're not conflicts. Well, and that detail that she wiped his feet with her hair. Yeah. So, so no, well, no shred of that ointment was going to waste for one right. thing. Right. But for two, the fragrance filled the house and she was covered with it. Yeah. The fragrance of that offering to the person that she loved more than any other that she knew was going to die. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And 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 it's it says in Matthew's account that they they were indignant saying why this waste. Right. Well, we know it's not the disciples, it's Judas we're talking about. Right. And uh, you know the waste. But it is interesting contrast for for some people they see this as a waste and mm-hmm. for other people they see this as worship. Is it worship right. or is it waste? And uh and the purpose is is what's really making, you know, when we when we talk about worship, we bring we bring our treasures, we bring our expensive right. things to him in worship. It's not a waste at all. So the perspective is really a difference in perspective between a sheep and a goat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the same the same resource for one is a worship, for the other it's a waste. Well, and there's some thinking about that alabaster vial being so costly that it mm-hmm. represented Mary's dowry. Mm-hmm. It represented yeah, her yeah. future, yep. right? Her future husband her future life mm-hmm. all that she had to expect in life and she breaks it open and pours it out on jesus yeah yeah that is a 
that is a mind-boggling picture yeah. of sacrifice, of saying, of great it sacrifice, is all yeah. invested yeah. in you, Lord yep. Jesus. Yep. It, yeah, and it, it is a substantial sacrifice. John wants us to understand right. that this wasn't just, you know, a little dab of perfume no. you know, behind the ears. <laughs> this, was, this was an extravagantly poured yeah, John, out. John's gospel says it's a pound. Right. Of, you know, I don't know what the equivalent in the in the New Testament language is, but it, it's a Roman pound of expensive ointment. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this he wants you to know this was extraordinarily costly. This was something like you said might have actually been her dowry in a real sense. And Jesus who knew his heart and knew her heart said, you know, she's doing this to prepare me for burial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You guys didn't even it didn't even register to you that I'm going to die mm-hmm. in a couple of days. Yeah. But she gets it. But she gets it. She gets it. She is preparing me and you guys are still sort of mm-hmm. clueless even though you know what's going to so, happen. She had believed him. Yeah. And they had missed it. Yep, yep. And this was their opportunity. So isn't it interesting that Jesus says, you know, any anywhere the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, this thing is going to be remembered mm-hmm. about her, mm-hmm. that she poured it all out for Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, hey, look, here we are 2,000 years later. <laughs> And we're still talking about 10,000 miles away and we're still talking about it. Well, it's interesting. Okay. So Matthew, Mark, and John all include this exact event in their gospels. Luke Mm -hmm. includes a similar, but a different event. It's a different event. It had taken place earlier in his ministry, but again, it is a woman coming. And that time it is a woman who is um, known as a, a, a prostitute, right, essentially, right. who again comes and recognizes the the lordship of Jesus in His saving grace, and she pours out a very expensive ointment, yeah, oil. Um, that's in Luke seven. If you want to go and read that, and Luke yeah. actually gives it a lot of space. He it's does almost the whole chapter yeah. of Luke seven. So yeah. go and read that. But it is not this event. It is right. a different event. But the parallelism <clears throat> is striking. Yeah. Yeah, of worship, uh, intimate worship of Jesus in his presence. Cost, well, costly worship. Costly worship, and that a woman would be given, featured so prominently mm-hmm. in these gospel accounts with this all-encompassing sacrificial devotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That is significant. Yeah. When the men who were closest to him didn't have a clue yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it really it's a it's a great scene. And many times when we read the account in one of the other gospels without reading this account, you know, we we miss the fact that that the Mary and Martha event at the dinner, uh, Mary is actively worshiping and in a very right. costly kind of way. Right. And so uh, so we miss that picture. But she is preparing Jesus for burial. Okay. Well, and we cannot say Martha was not worshiping. Martha was right, serving. Right. She was serving. But she yeah. had been taught mm-hmm. <laughs> about surfing properly another time yeah and yeah. so and lazarus was there a guest of honor at the table he was reclining at the table with jesus yeah yeah well should we go from the sheep to the goat <laughs> yeah let's find out what the goat did yeah, yeah yeah you want to read okay so we're at verse 14 verse 14 here in matthew 26 well then then one of the 12 whose name was judas iscariot went to the chief priests and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And from that moment, he sought an opportunity to betray him. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. It, it, Judas is such, a, it, is such a quandary for many of us because for three years, he's seen some remarkable things at the hands of Jesus. Well, and yet here, everything turns. He hasn't just seen them. 
he was among the 12 who were sent out to proclaim the gospel and to do healings and to speak in Jesus' name. And he was among them when they did that, casting out demons and came back crowing with the rest of them. I mean, that's... He, he was, had a whole experience. He was in the boat when he saw Jesus still the waves. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, at this point in the story, many times people's imaginations start to go, so what, what would change his mind? I mean, why, why such a, hmm. not necessarily, well, maybe not change his mind, but but why do this after he's experienced what the rest of the apostles have experienced? And, you know, we you can you can speculate all you want about this i mean one one interesting speculation about judas it says it says judas iscariot and that that means literally he's from kiriath which is which is a judean village that's to the south uh which makes Ju- makes judas the only judean hmm. in the apostles so a lot of people have speculated because they're all galileans they're all right, from the north right. so the speculation is well maybe he was kind of sore at the fact that the other galilean guys the the crude fishermen seem to be you know in more favor with jesus than himself because after all he's a judean that's the more pure jew the galileans are kind of hicks hmm. You know, stuff like that. Well, but we, that's that's one idea. But there's another thought out there, and that is that Judas, uh, we're told early in the accounts that he was a zealot. So he was right. a member of a specific political party that they was were expecting, after claiming, reclaiming the kingdom. And right. they were expecting Messiah, and they were going to make it happen. And by force. They are expecting the Messiah to do it by force. And so there yeah. is some thinking that Judas, by seeking to betray Jesus, he was looking for a way to force his hand. Force his hand. Because he could right. see the writing on the wall. Oh, this Jesus is not. He didn't come into town a week ago and claim the kingdom. He's right. wasting his time healing people and telling stories. So we need to push him along a little bit. We need yeah. to force his hand so that he can actually start flexing his muscles yeah. with the religious leaders. Yeah. So I, that's not a that's not a bad that's well, not a bad it's, guess. It's an interesting kind of insight into what Judas may have been thinking. We yeah. don't know. We don't know. It, it is. It, we can speculate about this all day. <laughs> But it is a fascinating thing that for someone who has seen and experienced the same thing the other apostles uh-huh. had, his heart was was against Jesus. And yeah. so it reminds me of that passage. Jesus talks about uh, the rich man and Lazarus, you know, after they die. And the rich man is saying, you know, well, why don't you send an emissary back and warn my brothers, you know, right. and tell them what's going on here. And Jesus says, look, even if they see someone come back from the dead. It won't change their mind. And in a sense, that's what he's saying here. Even though Judas himself saw remarkable things, he saw people come back from the dead. And uh-huh. that Jesus had done it, his hands. Even if he sees all that stuff, there's something about the heart that even facing that kind of incontrovertible fact, the willingness of the heart digs in its heels and says, no, I will not believe. And that to us is just astonishing. Well, I'm not sure that it was that kind of unbelief. I'm thinking he was he was convinced that Jesus was the Messiah, mm-hmm. but he was the political Messiah who was going to bring in the kingdom and change everything, and they were right. suddenly going to be the guys on top. Right, right. And he, when he saw that that was not happening. Mm-hmm. Then he took steps to make sure that Jesus would be put in a place where he could call down 10,000 legions of angels, as he says yeah, a little right, while from right. this in the garden, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. That Judas was very intent on making that happen. Yeah. So he was pursuing his own purposes, yeah. not God's purposes. I'm not. Yeah. He's clearly not thinking about being saved from his sin or no, redeemed no. from his slavery to self. No. And I, you know, and I, I kind of... Kind of 
soft pedal the idea that he still believed he was the powerful Messiah because after all, his heart's pretty apparent here. He goes and says, what will you pay me? Mm-hmm. Uh, the greed factor is still gigantic yeah. here. And in previous accounts in this gospel and the other ones, you know, we, we get a pretty full picture that that, you know, uh, Judas was all about the money. <laughs> well, that's true. So, you know, it could just be as crude as the fact that that Judas sees things going not the way he had hoped or expected, maybe from the messianic. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I can, you know, I can salvage this affair. I might as well go look out for myself and make some cash off uh, this. Or, you know, I can, yeah, I can make some cash out of this because I know Jesus can take care of himself. Right. He raised right, the right. dead, yeah. right? He'll he'll get out of this somehow. Yeah. I don't know that he actually expected them to follow through with a crucifixion. Yeah, I don't think he did. Which I, is why I agree he goes out and kills himself. Later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We follow I mean, that makes sense. We follow up his trail, and his regret is enormous, mm-hmm. just enormous. Things did not go the way he thought they would. He, the role he played is not what he wanted to have played. I yeah. mean, everything did not go according to his plans, clearly, because his regret is so huge. Mm. Wow. Yeah, the whole Judas thing just just blows our minds. Well, we're not done with Judas. We're going to see him again in a little yeah, bit. But yeah, <laughs> this is this is where he is unmasked. Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally true. And he goes off looking for silver, and he gets it. And he gets it. Yeah. Well, you know, next time we're going to come back. The story proceeds. We're going to move right into the Last Supper, mm. which which we know so much about. And by the way, Judas is there at the Last Supper. Yep. Yeah, so and a, a very dramatic event it happens while he's there. So, uh, so the story continues on, and it go, it seems to go from bad to worse. But you have to remember, as we look at the story of the crucifixion of Jesus, nothing is an accident. Nothing no. is unplanned by God. Everything is going actually according to plan. And the Son of Man, who is indeed the King, who prepared a place for us from the beginning of the universe, is the one who will voluntarily voluntarily sacrifice himself so and and make such a public statement about the fact that he is the true lamb of god because this happens right on passover Mm. so uh so so the events are very familiar to us but as we come back and continue to look at the events especially the upper room events don't be jaded by the fact that you know this so so familiar Yeah. yeah i mean you need to put yourself in the narrative you need to look around you need to experience it as left as if you've never read it before as we see the Son of Man voluntarily put himself in harm's way to be crucified. Hmm. Yeah. Any what? closing words? No, I, uh, nope, I got nothing to add to that. <laughs> the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yeah, yeah. And after such such large statements before about his coming back, you, you know, as like lightning from the east to the west, here's the king who right. now will allow himself to be taken. So come back and join us as we see this in uh, in Matthew 26 here on More, More Than, Than Inc. There are many more episodes of this broadcast to be found at our website, morethaninc.org. And while you are there, take a moment to drop us a note. Remember, the Bible is God's love letter to you. Pick it up and read it for yourself and you will discover that the words printed there are indeed more than ink. Are you ready? I am. Okay, in three, two, one. This has been a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City.